Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As a clinical social worker, I, I started out being interested in just working with individuals who came in like you see on TV. <laughs> they have a problem and then you sit in a chair and and you 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 know work out their issues that's that's what i wanted to do i remember it was about 30 people maybe if maybe about 30 people and we were doing a a large group experiment and and this whole thing came up around a a guy who saw ghosts like he 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 said he he was having a hard time because there was a ghost in the room and you know i was just like okay whatever but that's my initial reaction was okay whatever come on let's let's get the work done but the other side there was another part of me that was like okay you have to accept this this person's saying this whether it's not, it's not up for you to judge this experience that this person's having. It's up to you to hold, hold that within what's happening in the room. And that was, a, that was a defining moment for me. I would say, having thought about it, that, w- that was the first moment that popped up where I thought, okay. And so many moments after that now where people will tell me things about you know, an experience they had, um, whether it's, a, you know, just a, what some people might think is an everyday experience or, or a feeling or, or, or something, or, you know, one that's a little bit wilder than, you know, the average day. And I'm able to totally listen to those. And some, some I, 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 I lean into more than others or, and I can get more out of, you know, I, but I do like, I do like to look for predictable and repeatable experiences which is interesting I, I i love looking for that so if somebody sees something i think okay let's go let's go do that again but i've never done that i never went looking for you know ufos again looking for um just sort of just like stuck in that moment it changes my awareness of everything. You know, I, it's not that I, I, it's that I, I pay attention to what's actually happening a little bit more. Maybe I'm a little bit more sensitive to, or open to possibilities other than, um, trying to make it a man-made object or, I mean, whatever I saw wasn't, (laughs) I just, I just, it was so far away. It was a star. I mean, it was a star. Like when you look up and you look at a light and you see a star, a white star, that's what it looked like. And it was there for a while. And then it just decided to come down. And I don't know. I mean, that's, that's uncanny to me. 
I'm Jim Perry, and this is Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. This time, a man looks above to find what else could be out there when something looks right back at him. Next on Euphemet. In his adult life, Jamie has helped hold space for others as a social worker, resolving conflict, deconstructing systems, observing client behavior, and creating a plan of treatment. But as a kid, Jamie observed something unbelievable, perhaps coming from a star system far away. Somewhere out in the cold of the cosmos, a light shined, and Jamie's life changed forever. So I was visiting my grandparents. It was 1981, so I'm about 12 at the time. They owned a summer resort up there, Silver Lake Resort, sort of central northern Wisconsin. My grandparents, they had a restaurant, like a nice restaurant that they put a disco in. <laughs> it's, but they had a bar, a restaurant, and then a disco with a ball and everything. And then you'd go to the beach. They had a beautiful beach. It's a great lake. It's all spring-fed, no boats. And, oh, it's just fantastic. You'd go in, and it would be a sandy, like, the floor was tiled, but it was um, that old tiled, and it would be sandy, and and you could hear the shuffle of the bare feet on the the floor. You'd go, there'd be a counter, and you'd have somebody flipping burgers and making shakes and fries, and then you'd have foosball and video games in there, and then that foosball noise, you know, where the, it's, you're pounding the, pounding against the side, and then you hear somebody you know, score and it just clanks like ka-ching, you know. But it was where all the all the kids hung out. You know, it was you can hear the beach from inside there and you can smell the burgers, maybe the fries. Oh, it was it was fantastic. It was a great place to grow up. My grandparents were you know, they were sort of the light of my life, so anytime I could spend time with them uh, alone when I was, you know, eleven, twelve, younger, it was just great. And um, usually they were in Florida or Arizona at the time. And for some reason, this winter, they were, they were staying up at the resort, at their house. The cottage people are gone and the trailer people are gone. So you only have townspeople and you rarely see them. And it's, it's winter. It's, it's stark. And um, I happen to have two cousins, two second cousins that live down the road. They live with a their father and he is a widower and he's in the hospital at the time and he's getting out that that day they call and to see if i want to go with them to pick up their dad and i i agree and think it'll be fun to to see them and so i go with them to pick up their father and we go back to their trailer and and we hang out i one of my cousins about two years older than me and the other one's, he's driving, and and my uncle, he likes to drink and likes to smoke. And, um, you know, a lot of people did where I grew up. You know, he just gets out of the hospital, and he's on an oxygen tank and, you know, has the mask and everything. So we go back to their trailer, goes into his bedroom, changes, and puts on some cologne and and takes off the mask and doesn't have the oxygen anymore and wants to go out and see his friends. My cousins, I, re- I remember them being a little reluctant about doing this, but uh, they decided, okay, well, we'll we'll take him. So I decided I'm going to go with them also. 
<laughs> I remember a red car with a white top, but I've been looking online to see if I could find it. I don't know if it was an Oldsmobile or I just don't know what it is. It, it, it's just so, it, you remember guys who used to wear white shoes? You know, like they get dressed up and they put the white shoes on. <laughs> it reminded me, that car reminded me of those shoes. Like, because my, you have to, just think about this. So my uncle's living with his two sons who he's trying to raise. You know, this is a very different, this is in this, you know, 70s, late, early 80s. You know, loses his wife, was a very successful uh, insurance salesman and moves back to Wisconsin where he grew up, lives in a trailer in these woods and you know like he's single so this car i always thought of this car as like like huh it reminds me of those guys that wear those suits with the white with the white shoes and the car reminded me of that the red with the white top always and and then he smelled like cologne you know so he he was always like some something with the the smell and the, the look of the car so we drive to another resort down from my grandparents' resort. And there's a bar and a pizza place, bar restaurant. And uh, that's where we go. And he's going he's gonna to hang out there and for the, the afternoon, you know, early evening, and have some drinks and, and hang out with his friends. Kind of mellow and just hang in there. They, it, I don't remember it being loud in there when I went in there at all. And it's still, it was still a restaurant, a little smoky. And I remember, I mean, I remember when I think of the colors, I just think of golden white and, and like just browns, browns and, you know, golds. Like even if it was white walls, they were sort of like, look like tar stained. <laughs> like that's all I remember. I mean, it might not even totally, <laughs> it's like, is that a white wall or is that a golden? I'm not sure. <laughs> He goes into the bar and and Keith and I, my cousin, we're gonna stay. And my my older cousin Kevin, he's gonna he's gonna split. So Keith and I go and hang out with the kids that he knows and goes to school with, and their parents own the bar and the restaurant. And we go into this like lake cottage, but everybody was older than me. So I felt a little kind of like I could hang, but I felt a, a little left out. And what happens is my cousin and his friends are going to, they, they want to smoke a joint or two joints, whatever. And I, I'm a little too young and I'm a little scared. And I just, I just, I can't, I can't hang out and do it. And, and they were really cool about it. So I, I step outside. My cousin's like, just, you know, just go up and hang out. Just go do something. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I walk, I walk up this little bit of an incline between the bar, restaurant, and the, the cottage that we're at. And I sit on the hill. And so I'm overlooking the lake. Just kind of hanging out. And it's cold. It's chilly. It's, it was winter, so the lake was frozen over. And they did have tip-ups out there. They were, they were, there was a little ice fishing going on. And tip-ups are the devices that you use in Wisconsin to to fish and they have flags on them and you just kind of hang it hang the bait and then if something strikes it the the flag goes up there's still it's a blue sky very you know dusky blue sky and I'm starting to see the stars you know just a few 
and I'm looking at one in particular, and it's changing all of these, you know, colors, red, green, yellow, just really quickly. And I'm just staring at it. And, and then I see another star, you know, a couple of white stars. They're not, they're not changing color that much. And as I'm watching one of these white stars, it starts coming towards me. Like, it's traveling towards me. Um, just getting closer and closer. At first, I'm thinking I'm imagining it. And then I realize I'm not. And I think it's a plane or a helicopter or something. Um, there weren't drones back then, so I was just like, well, it's got to be a plane. Well, it just flies. It just keeps coming towards me. And, and pretty soon it's hovering over the lake. There's no sound, and it's close. I mean, it's, it's within a couple hundred yards. Like, it was there. It was a ball of white light. I could not see any other thing but the ball. It wasn't shining at me. It was, it was a, it was a light that was contained. It wasn't, it, it just was bright, but not, not, not shining. It wasn't shining on anything. It was just, it was just self-contained. It's sitting there, hovering, and I'm just watching it. And it's close enough. I mean, it feels like it's me and the light. And then it drops really quick, shoots to my right, shoots down and then then up to my right, like an angular shot. And then just starts cruising across the sky. It just leaves. Just starts flying away from me. But just really hovering. It's really, it's just, it's almost... It's just really pretty. It's just going, it's just hovering. It's not, there's no noise. There's no, I, I don't know how, it's just so smooth. And and then it disappears. Like, I don't know if it was over the trees or not. I don't remember that part. I just know it went off and, and, and left. And I was, I watched it. And and then I sort of was left with this, this experience. Yeah. After I saw it, what I remember is I I was excited. I think I thought they're going to make fun of me or they're not going to believe it or I have to tell them. You know, like there's all this all these different things going on inside of me. And then I thought, well, maybe I, I think I thought that maybe they'd be able to see it. Maybe it would come back. Um, I, I think I had a lot of those types of thoughts and, and feelings. And when I went down there, I told them, I, there was, I think there was some joking and laughing. And then they went outside and they looked and nothing was there. I mean, there's no, nothing was left. And then it was getting dark. It was starting, I mean, it was slowly getting dark. Um, not so slowly, but it was getting dark, you know, quickly compared to when I was out there and, and saw it come. Because I didn't see it in the dark. It was, it was more at dusk where it's that beautiful blue sky and, you know, with some white in it and, 
you know, you feel the air getting colder and, you know, the shimmering of the stars, so, you know, as they just start coming into the sky. So it wasn't, I remember this as a, you know, like I, I told them, they, you know, it was sort of like kids getting excited about something, but, you know, they didn't see it. So there was nothing real about it. And then we eventually went up to the bar again to get something to eat. Somebody was hungry and they may have, I think there was some food ordered. And I remember a cigarette machine and having to go buy cigarettes for somebody and pulling those big long handles out and like chonk and the cigarettes drop out. Um, and I remember adults around this bar and one of the kids said, Jamie saw a UFO and the adults, I remember them just like laughing a little bit and teasing. I don't remember exactly what they said or I just remember feeling like, oh gosh, you know, no, you know, this is weird. Nobody, I mean, I saw what I saw, but nobody's going to believe me. And maybe I didn't see what I saw. You know, I started questioning myself. Like, you know, come on, that's not possible. But I, but, but I saw it. And eventually we went back down to the, the cottage. I think there was some cards, some games we were playing, like cards. Um, and maybe some checkers or something and telling stories. And it got, it, it got late. And it was about 10 to 10. And the only reason I remember that is because when we went up, we got into the bar, and after a, a little movement and trying to get my uncle to go home, the news came on. And it was a bar that you could hear the news. I mean, you heard the news when it came on. It wasn't, you know, the sound was not turned down. And the first thing the news said was, UFOs? Yes, UFOs. They've been sighted over Washera County. And then I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, like it happened. It really happened. And I'm looking at everybody like, yeah, yeah, they're going to celebrate me. This happened. This, I saw this. <laughs> but everybody, most of the adults are drunk. <laughs> and like the, ki the kids are, my cousin's excited. I think my cousin Keith was the most excited. Like he was just like, like, you're not lying. <laughs> you know, he didn't see it, but he's like, you, you can't be lying because this wouldn't you would never say that and that was on the news right so I feel like he he believed me and I I could tell I, I feel like I could tell then that was the moment I realized like nobody believed me the whole day and then at that moment like one guy probably believes me so I think there were some jokes made and you know we eventually eventually left my cousin Kevin came and picked us up and as we were driving home it got brought up in the car and, um, you know, it, it's just, just brought up. I don't think, I think my, my cousin Keith and I were more excited about it, but it was dwindling. But as we were driving home, there were cars, um, all, all down these back roads, um, overlooking these ponds and then the lake where we were looking for, they were all, all standing out. And it reminded me of when I grew up, I used to go to Horicon Marsh and it's where all the geese used to flock in the fall. And you'd have these cars lined up all on the side of the road with people with binoculars. And it was a, it was a very small um, version of that. 
but there were cars out and you, you wouldn't see cars in the winter, you know, lined along the road like that. Yeah. So I was just excited to have the experience. I liked, I mean, I was a kid. And even as an adult, I, I like, I like having an experience that it's like, oh, that's unique. <laughs> you know, that's mine. And I want to tell some people, but you realize like some of the best experiences, you just sort of, you just cherish the experience. Because telling about it, telling people about it can sort of, it dissolves and becomes a story. And I think that's why I never really discussed it much or I only told my kids. I think it was with my daughter that I shared it and she would have been gosh she she would have been maybe maybe 10. And it seems like kids just bring those things up like folk folklore or, you know just stories like that. Do these exist or and the internet wasn't what it is now, but I found I, I found something written on it. There's a little article, and a sheriff's deputy was called out, and they talked to somebody in a town nearby, in Red Granite. And I remember after I told the story, I, I wanted to check because I didn't want to tell her some weird lie, or I didn't want it to seem like, you know, I, I just had to check if my memory was correct because. You know, I feel like sometimes the memory just, you know, changes or the story becomes a story. But there were certain parts of the story that I, I remembered and I wanted to check the weather or check, you know, what was the sky like and everything matched up. And then when I read this article with the sheriff deputy's report of this guy seeing, I mean, it was a movement or the idea of no sound and how the light was. It was just, I could have been that guy talking about it. It was just identical. So the hard part about telling you this wasn't that I, I, I mean, I wanted to tell you, but then there was this other part of the story I didn't want to tell you because, and I had not really told many people, you know, I probably wouldn't have told you except my son wanted me to tell you. So I, I thought, oh yeah, this is a, this is a good combination right now. I didn't even tell my son right away. Because it, it felt like it, it changed the story. But I never, it's, it's definitely been part of the story the whole time. But I felt like if I said it, then it would, nobody would believe it at all. And I think that's the reason I even questioned whether I saw it or not um, on that night. Because of the thing that happened before I saw it. Okay. So, I have a college friend who was living in L.A. at the time, and he went to a some type of uh, celebration of uh, organic foods and um, spiritual music and um, all, all these this variety of things that he really was, you know, really into, and hadn't talked to him in a while, and. We are chatting, and he says, "Oh, I I saw this guy, and I don't know that you'll you'll understand it, but um, it was really interesting. They call him the UFO caller, and I was like, 
what do you mean? And he said, well, he calls UFOs. Like, he, he calls them. And it's like, like, whistles to them. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. He says he just goes out and stands and starts thinking about it. And pretty soon they start showing up. Well, you know, this really impacts me huge because the part of the story that I wouldn't tell before was I, when I was sitting on the hill, I was having these thoughts about it, like seeing a UFO. And, and looking at these stars and just, you know, like, what if one of those was? And, oh, is that one moving or is that one moving? And pretty soon, that one, the, the white light that looked like a star to me, comes to me. And as my roommate from college is talking about this, I, I, I'm, I'm all in. I believe this, I believe this already. Like that was the thing that made me believe that he saw a guy who could call UFOs. Cause I was like, oh, I, I know, I, I know, I know this. Like this is how it potentially happens. It's not really weird that I would believe it right away, but that's the part of the story that would make me, made me believe that this guy was actually that there was potentially a UFO around. If he would have just said he caught, you know, like he, he went out and UFOs show up wherever he is, I, it, it wouldn't have done anything for me. But because of that experience that I had, which I didn't want to tell anybody, because it seems too outlandish in the story, um, and, it, and it felt too personal. You know what I mean? You know, you just, it, it just felt like a good thing to leave out because that seems a little on the, the wacky side for a child, for a kid. You know, and I wanted to make sure people believed what I saw. That was the most important thing, you know, and it wasn't until I got older that I, I started kind of playing with the idea of like when my, when my daughter asked me, like, oh, have you ever seen a UFO? Or my son asked me, have you ever seen a UFO? I had the story to tell them, but then it was like that other part was always there just kind of kept kept away until it's time to share that it, it's very I, there's something about it that's very personal I mean the idea of an exchange you know I it wasn't just the the wanting something to come or appear which just that's that's pretty you know that's pretty wild and then it and then it starts to to move towards you like it's watching you you it's almost like seeing an animal way off in the field and you're like is that a bear like I, is that a bear that'd be so cool to see a bear and then all of a sudden it's walking towards you and you're like that is a bear you know like it's coming and then it's there and it's just looking at you i mean to me seeing seeing it and having it, it it wasn't it it was there i mean it was right in front of me and over me it wasn't it wasn't like across the lake or someplace it it was right there and it 
it was as though we were it wasn't there wasn't words but it was like looking at me that's what i felt like it was looking at me Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemed. Thank you to Jamie for being our guest. Jamie is actually a Euphemed listener who emailed me their story. And you can have your story featured too. Just reach out to me at jim at euphemed.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Shudder, and the rest of our sponsors. For everything Euphemed, including how you can subscribe to the show, links to our Patreon and social media, just visit euphemed.com. And for even more Euphemed, check out Night Drift, It's our podcast discussing Euphemet and hosting panels on topics at the intersection of society and the strange. Night Drift can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. The original score on this edition was by John McEdward. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up.